0: Chapter Eleven, Book Three of Rookwood. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This reading by Paul Curran. Rookwood by William Harrison Ainsworth. Book Three, Chapter Eleven The Bridal. Carrie. I will not die. I must not. I am contracted to a young gentleman. Executioner, here's your wedding ring. Duchess of Malfi Slowly did the train descend, solemnly and in silence, as if the rites at which they were about to assist had been those of funereal and not of nuptial solemnization. Indeed, To look upon those wild and fierce faces by the ruddily flashing torchlight, which lent to each a stern and savage expression, to see those scowling visages surrounding a bride, from whose pallid cheeks every vestige of colour and almost of animation had fled, and a bridegroom with a countenance yet more haggard, and demeanour yet more distracted. The beholder must have imagined that the spectacle was some horrible ceremonial, practised by demons rather than human beings. The arched vault, the pillars, the torchlight, the deep shadows and the wild figures formed a picture worthy of Rembrandt or Salvatore. "'Is Sibyl within the chapel?' asked Barbara. "'I am here,' returned the voice from the altar. "'Why do we tarry?' said the Gypsy Queen. "'We are all assembled. To the altar!' "'To the altar!' shrieked Eleanor. "'Oh, no! No!' "'Remember my threat, and obey,' muttered Barbara. "'You are in my power now.' "'A convulsive sob was all the answer Eleanor could make. "'Our number is not complete,' said the priest, "'who had looked in vain for the sexton. "'Peter Bradley is not with us.' "'Ha!' exclaimed Barbara. "'Let him be sought for instantly.' their search need not extend beyond this spot said peter stepping forward the knight of malta advanced towards the altar the torchlight reddened upon the huge stone pillars it fell upon the shrine and upon the ghastly countenance of Sybil, who stood beside it suddenly as the light approached her an object hitherto hidden from view was revealed Sybil uttered a prolonged and fearful shriek the knight recoiled likewise in horror and a simultaneous cry of astonishment burst from the lips of the foremost of the group. All crowded forwards, and universal consternation prevailed amongst the assemblage. Each one gazed at his neighbor, anxious to learn the occasion of this tumult, and vague fears were communicated to those behind from the terrible glances which were the only answers returned by their comrades in front. "'Who has dared to bring that body here?' demanded Barbara, in a tone in which anger struggled with apprehension, pointing at the same time to the ghastly corpse of a female with streaming hair at the altar's feet. Who has dared do this, I say? Quick, remove it! What do you stare at? Cravens, is this the first time you have looked upon a corpse, that you should shrink aghast, that you tremble before it? It is a clod, ay, less than a clod. Away with it, ho- away, I say! Touch it not, cried Luke. "'lifting a cloud of black hair from off the features. "'It is my mother's body.' "'My daughter!' exclaimed the sexton. "'What?' vociferated Barbara. "'Is that your daughter? "'Is that the First Lady Rookwood? "'Are the dead arisen to do honour to these nuptials? "'Speak, you can't perchance explain how she came hither.' "'I know not,' returned Peter, glancing fiercely at Barbara. "'I may anon demand that question of you.' "'How came this body here?' "'Ask of Richard Checkley,' said Barbara, turning to the priest. "'He can, perchance, inform you, priest!' added she in a low voice. "'This is your handiwork.' "'Checkley!' screamed Peter. "'Is that Richard Checkley? Is that... "'Peace!' thundered Barbara. "'Will none remove the body? Once more, I ask you, do you fear the dead?' A murmur arose. Balthazar alone ventured to approach the corpse. Luke started to his feet as he advanced, his eyes glaring with tiger fury. "'Back, old man!' cried he. "'And dare not any of you to lay a sacrilegious finger on her corpse, "'or I will stretch him that advances as lowly as lies my mother's head. "'When or how it came hither matters not. "'Here at the altar has it been placed, and none shall move it hence. "'The dead shall witness my nuptials.' Fate has ordained it, my fate, o'er which the dead preside, her ring shall link me to my bride. I knew not when I snatched it from her death cold finger, to what end I preserved it. I learn it now. It is here. And he held forth a ring. 'Tis a fatal boon, that twice used ring, cried Sybil. 'Such Such a ring my mother, on her deathbed, said should be mine. Such a ring she said should wed me. Unto whom? Fiercely demanded Luke, "Unto death," she solemnly rejoined. Luke's countenance fell; he turned aside, deeply abashed, unable further to brook her gaze. While in accents of such wildly touching pathos as sank into the hearts of each who heard her, hearts few of them framed of penetrable stuff, the despairing maiden burst into the following strain: "The twice used ring, beware thy bridal day." On her deathbed side, my mother, Beware, beware, I say, Death shall wed thee, and no other. Cold the hand shall grasp thee, Cold the arms shall clasp thee, Cold the lips thy kiss shall smother, Beware thy bridal kiss. Thy wedding ring shall be From a clay-cold finger taken, From one that, like to thee, Was by her love forsaken, For a twice-used ring Is a fatal thing, Her griefs who wore it up are taken. Beware that fatal ring, the altar and the grave, many steps are not asunder, bright banners o'er thee wave, shrouded horror lieth under, blithe may sound the bell yet twill toll thy knell, scathe thy chaplet by the thunder, beware that blighteth wreath, beware my bridal day, dying lips, thy doom have spoken, deep tones call me away from the grave is sent a token cold cold fingers bring, that ill-omened ring, soon will a second heart be broken. This is my bridal day. There was a deep, profound silence as the last melancholy cadence died away, and many a rugged heart was melted, even to tears. Eleanor, meanwhile, remained in a state of passive stupefaction, vacantly gazing at Sybil, upon whom alone her eyes were fixed, "'and appearing indistinctly to apprehend the meaning of her song. "'This is my bridal day,' murmured she, in a low tone, when Sybil had finished. "'Said not that sweet voice so? "'I know tis my bridal day. "'What a church you have chosen, mother! "'A tomb, a sepulchre! but 'tis tis meet for such nuptials as mine! "'And what wedding guests! "'Was that pale woman in her shroud-like dress invited here by you?' "'Tell me that, mother!' "'My God, her senses are gone!' cried Mrs. Mowbray. "'Why did I venture into this horrible place?' "'Ask not why now, madam,' rejoined the priest. "'The hour for consideration is past. "'We must act. "'Let the marriage proceed at all hazards. "'We will then take means to extricate ourselves from this accursed place.' "'Remove that horrible object,' said Mrs. Mowbray. "'It fascinates the vision of my child.' "'Lend me your hand, Richard Checkley,' said Peter, sternly regarding the priest. "'No, no,' replied the priest, shuddering. "'I will not. Cannot touch it. Do you alone remove it?' Peter approached Luke. The latter now offered no further opposition, and the body was taken away, The eyes of Eleanor followed it into the dark recesses of the vault, and when she should no longer distinguish the white flutter of the circlothes, her labouring bosom seemed torn asunder with the profound sigh that burst from it, and her head declined upon her shoulder. "'Let me see that ring,' said the priest, addressing Luke, who still held the wedding ring between his fingers. "'I am not naturally superstitious,' said Mrs. Mowbray, "'Whether my mind be affected with the horrors of this place, I know not. "'But I have a dread of that ring. "'She shall not use it.' "'Where no other can be found,' said the priest, "'with a significant and peculiar look at Mrs. Mowbray, "'I see no reason why this should be rejected. "'I should not have suspected you, madam, of such weakness.
1: "'Grant
0: there were evil spell or charm attached to it, "'which, trust me, there is not.' as how should there be to a harmless piece of gold my benediction and aspersion with holy lymph will have sufficient power to exercise and expel it to remove your fears it shall be done at once a cup containing water was brought together with a plate of salt which condiment the devil is said to abhor and which is held to be a symbol of immortality and of eternity in that being itself incorruptible It preserves all else from corruption, and with the customary Romish formula of prayer and exorcism, the priest thrice mingled the crystal particles with the pure fluid, after which, taking the ring in his hand with much solemnity, he sprinkled it with a few drops of the water which he had blessed, made the sign of the cross upon the golden circlet, uttered another and more potent exorcism to eradicate and expel every device of Satan, and delivered it back to Luke. "'She may wear it now in safety,' said the sexton, with strong contempt. "'Were the snake himself coiled round that consecrated bauble, "'the prayers of the devout father Checkley would unclasp his lithest folds. "'But wherefore do we tarry now? "'Nought lies between us and the altar. "'The path is clear. "'The bridegroom grows impatient.' "'And the bride?' asked Barbara. "'Is ready,' replied the priest. "'Madam!' "'Delay not longer. Daughter, your hand.' "'Eleanor gave her hand. It was clammy and cold. "'Supported by her mother, she moved slowly towards the altar, "'which was but a few steps from where she stood. "'She offered no resistance, but did not raise her head. "'Luke was by her side. "'Then for the first time did the enormity of the cruel, dishonorable act he was about to commit strike him with its full force.' He saw it in its darkest colours. It was one of those terrible moments when the headlong wheel of passion suddenly stands still. There is yet time, groaned he. Oh, let me not damn myself perpetually. Let me save her. Save Sybil, Save myself. They were at the altar, that wild wedding train. High over their head the torch was raised. The red light flashed on bridegroom and on bride, giving to the pale features of each an almost livid look. It fell upon the gaunt aspect of the sexton, And lit up the smile of triumphant malice That played upon his face. It fell upon the fantastical habiliments of Barbara, And upon the haughty but perturbed physiognomy Of Mrs. Mowbray. It fell upon the salient points of the Gothic arches, Upon one moulded pillar, Upon the marble image of the virgin Thecla, And on the scarcely less marble countenance of Sybil, Who stood beside the altar, Silent, statue-like, immovable. The effect of light and shade on other parts of the scene, upon the wild drapery and harsh lineaments of many of the group, was also eminently striking. Just as the priest was about to commence the marriage service, a yelling chorus, which the gypsies were accustomed to sing at the celebration of the nuptials of one of their own tribe, burst forth. Nothing could be more horribly discordant than their song. "'Wedding chorus of the gypsies!' Scrape the catgut. Pass the liquor. Let your quick feet move the quicker. Tarala. Dance and sing in jolly chorus. Bride and bridegroom are before us. And the patrico stands o'er us. Tarala. To unite their hands, he's ready. For a moment, pals, he's steady. Cease your quaffing, dancing, laughing. Leave off riot and be quiet while tis doing. Tis begun. All is over. Two are one. The patrico has linked him. Daddy Hyman's torch has blinked em. Amen! To it again! Now for quaffing, now for laughing, stocking throwing, liquor flowing, for our bridles are no bridles and our altars never alter. From the flagon we never flinch, in the jig we never falter. No, that's not our way, for we are staunch lads of Romany. For our wedding then, hurrah! 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 This uncouth chorus ended. The marriage proceeded. Sybil had disappeared, had she fled? No, she was by the bride. Eleanor mechanically took her place. A faint voice syllabled the responses. You could scarcely have seen Mrs. Mowbray's lips move, but the answers were given, and the priest satisfied. He took the ring and sprinkled it once again with the holy water in the form of the cross. He pronounced the prayer. Benedict, Domine, hunc, quem nos in duo nomine. Benedicimus ut cor ium gesta verit. Fidelitatem integram suo sponsor tenens, in pese et voluntate tua permaneat, atque in mutua charitate semper vivat. He was about to return the ring to Luke, when the torch held by the Knight of Malta was dashed to the ground by some unseen hand, and instantly extinguished. The wild pageant vanished as suddenly as the figures cast by a magic lantern upon a wall disappear when the glass is removed. A wild hubbub succeeded. Hoarsely above the clamor arose the voice of Barbara. To the door! Quickly! To the door! Let no one pass! I will find out the author of this mishap anon. Away! She was obeyed. Several of the crew stationed themselves at the door. Proceed now with the ceremony, continued Barbara. By darkness or by light? The match shall be completed. The ring was then placed upon the finger of the bride, and as Luke touched it, he shuddered. It was as cold as that of the corpse which he had clasped but now. The prayer was said, the blessing given. The marriage was complete. Suddenly there issued from the darkness deep dirge-like tones, and the voice solemnly chanted a strain, which all knew to be the death-song of their race, hymned by wailing women over an expiring sister the music seemed to float in the air the soul bell fast the sand of life is falling fast her latest sigh exhaling fast fast is she dying with death's chills her limbs are shivering with death's gasp her lips are quivering fast her soul away is flying o'er the mountain top it fleeteth and the sky wonders greeteth, singing loud as stars it meeteth on its way. Hark the sullen soul-bell tolling, hollowly and echoes rolling, seems to say, she will open her eyes, O oh, never, quenched their dark light, gone forever, she is dead. The marriage group yet lingered near the altar, awaiting, it would seem, permission from the gypsy queen to quit the cell. Luke stirred not, Clasped in his own, the cold hand of his bride detained him, and when he would have moved, her tightened grasp prevented his departure. Mrs. Mowbray's patience was exhausted by the delay. She was not altogether free from apprehension. "'Why do we linger here?' she whispered to the priest. "'Do you, father, lead the way?' "'The crowd is dense,' replied Checkley. "'They resist my effort.' "'Are we prisoners here?' "'asked Mrs. Mowbray in alarm. "'Let me make the attempt,' cried Luke, with fiery impatience. "'I will force a passage out.' "'Quit not, your bride,' whispered Peter, "'as you value her safety. Heed not aught else. "'She alone is in danger. "'Suffer her not to be withdrawn from your hand "'if you would not lose her. "'Remain here. "'I will bring the matter to a speedy issue.' "'Enough,' replied Luke. "'I stir not hence.' and he drew his bride closer towards him. He stooped to imprint a kiss upon her lips. A cold shudder ran through her frame as she touched them, but she resisted not his embrace. Peter's attempt to effect an egress was as unsuccessful as that of the priest. Presenting Excalibur at his bosom, the Knight of Malta challenged him to stand. You cannot pass, exclaimed the knight. Our orders are peremptory. "'What am I to understand by this?' said Peter angrily. "'Why are we detained?' "'You will learn all and none,' returned Barbara. "'In the meantime, you are my prisoners, or, if you like not the phrase, my wedding guests.' "'The wedding is complete,' returned the sexton. "'The bride and bridegroom are impatient to depart, and we, the guests, albeit some of us may be no foes to darkness, "'desire not to hold our nuptial revels here.' "'Sibyl's wedding has not taken place,' said Barbara. "'You must tarry for that.' "'Ha! Now it comes,' thought Peter. "'And who may I ask?' said he aloud. "'Amongst this goodly company is to be her bridegroom.' "'The best amongst them,' returned Barbara. "'Sir Luke Rookwood. "'He has a bride already,' replied Peter. "'She may be removed.' "'said Barbara, with bitter and peculiar emphasis. "'Dost understand my meaning now?' "'I will not understand it,' said Peter. "'You cannot mean to destroy her who now stands at the altar. "'She who now stands at the altar must make way for a successor. "'She who grasps the bridegroom's hand shall die. "'I swear it by the oath of my tribe.' "'And think you, you will be allowed to execute your murderous intention with impunity?' "'Shrieked Mrs. Mowbray, in an agony of terror.' "'Think you that I will stand by and see my child slaughter before my face? "'That my friends will suffer it? "'Think you that even your own tribe will dare to execute your horrible purpose? "'They will not. They will side with us. "'Even now they murmur. "'What can you hope to gain by an act so wild and dreadful? "'What object can you have?' "'The same as your own,' reiterated Barbara. "'The advancement of my child. Sybil, is as dear to me as Eleanor is to you. "'She is my child's child.' The daughter of my best beloved daughter. I have sworn to marry her to Sir Luke Rookwood. The means are in my power. I will keep my vow. I will wed her to him. You did not hesitate to tear your daughter from the man she loved, to give her to the man she hated. And for what? For gold, for power, for rank. I have the same motive. I love my child, and she loves Sir Luke, has loved him long, and truly. Therefore, shall she have him? What do me is your child, or your feelings, except that they are subservient to my wishes? She stands in my way. I remove her. Who placed her in your path? Asked the sexton. Did you not lend a helping hand to create that obstacle yourself? I did, replied Barbara. Would you know wherefore? I will tell you. I had a double motive for it. There is a curse upon the house of Rookwood that kills the first fair bride each generation leads to the altar— "'Have you never heard of it?' "'I have. "'And did that idle legend sway you?' "'And do you call it idle? "'You? "'Well, I had another motive. "'A prophecy. "'By yourself uttered,' replied Peter. "'Even so,' replied Barbara, "'the prophecy is fulfilled. "'The stray rook is found. "'The rook hath with rook mated. "'Luke hath wedded Eleanor. "'He will hold possession of his lands. "'The prophecy is fulfilled.' "'But how?' asked Peter. Will your art tell you how and why she shall now hold possession? Can you tell me that? My art goes not so far. I have predicted the event. It has come to pass. I am satisfied. He has wedded her. Be it mine to free him from that yoke. And Barbara laughed exultingly. The sexton approached the old crone, and laid his hand with violence upon her shoulder. Hear me, cried he and I will tell you that which your juggling art refuses to reveal. Eleanor Mowbray's heir to the lands of Rookwood, the estates are hers. They were bequeathed to her by her grandsire, Sir Reginald.' "'She was unborn when he died,' cried Mrs. Mowbray. "'True,' replied Peter, "'but the lands were left to your issue, female, should such issue be born.' "'And did Sir Piers, my brother, know of this? Did he see this will?' asked Mrs. Mowbray with trembling impatience. "'He did, and withheld the knowledge of it from you and yours. "'And why knew I not this before? "'Why did you not tell me, ere that was done which cannot be undone? "'I have sacrificed my child.' "'Because it did not chime with my purposes to tell you,' replied Peter, coldly. "'It is false. It is false,' cried Mrs. Mowbray, "'her anger and vexation getting the better of her fears. "'I will not believe it. "'Who are you that pretend to know the secrets of our house?' One of that house, replied the sexton. Your name? Would you know my name, answered Peter sternly. The time is come when I will no longer conceal it. I am Alan Rookwood. My father's brother, exclaimed Mrs. Mowbray. I, Alan Rookwood, the sworn enemy of your father, of you, of all of ye, your fate, your destiny, your curse. "'I am that Alan Rookwood whose name you breathed in the vault. "'I am he, the Avenger, the Avenged. "'I saw your father die. "'I heard his groans, his groans! "'Ah, I saw his sons die. "'One fell in battle. "'I was with him there. "'The other expired in his bed. "'I was with Sir Piers when he breathed his last, "'and listened to his death agonies. "'Twas I who counseled him to keep the lands from you and from your child, "'and he withheld them, one only amongst the race.' "'whose name I have cast off have I loved. "'And him, because,' added he, "'with something like emotion, "'because he was my daughter's child, "'Luke Rookwood, "'and even he shall minister to my vengeance. "'He will be your curse, your daughter's curse, "'for he loves her not, "'yet he is her husband and hath her land. <laughs> "'And he laughed till he became convulsed "'with the paroxysm of fiendish exultation. "'Mine ears are stunned.' cried Mrs. Mowbray. "'The bride is mine. Relinquish her to me,' said Barbara. "'Advance and seize her, my children!' Alan Rookwood, for so we shall henceforth denominate the sexton, suddenly grew calm. He raised the whistle to his lips and blew a call so loud and shrill that those who were advancing hung back, irresolute. There was a rush at the door of the vault. The sentinels were struck down, and with pistols in each hand, followed by two assistants, Dick Turpin sprang into the thick of the crew. "'Here we are!' cried he. "'Ready for action! Where is Sir Luke Rookwood? Where my churchyard pal, Peter?'
1: "'Here!'
0: cried the sexton and Luke simultaneously. "'Then stand aside!' cried Dick, pushing in the direction of the sounds, and bearing down all opposition. "'Have a care there! These triggers are ticklish! Friend or foe, he who touches me shall have a bullet in his gizzard!' Here I am, Pal Peter, and here are my two chums, Rust and Wilder. Cut the wood. Have we license to pass scatheless now? asked the sexton. Or shall we make good our way? You shall not pass, cried Barbara, furiously. Think you to rob me of my prey? What cowards! Do you hesitate? Aha! Kindle the torches, cried several voices. We fight not in the dark. A pistol was flashed. The torch again blazed. Its light fell upon a tumultuous group. "'Seize the bride!' cried Barbara. "'Hold!' exclaimed a voice from the altar. The voice was that of Sybil. Her hand was clasped in that of Luke. Eleanor had fainted into the arms of the gypsy girl, Handassa. "'Are you my bride?' ejaculated Luke in dismay. "'Behold the ring upon my finger! Your own hand placed it there!' "'Betrayed!' screamed Alan in a voice of anguish. My schemes annihilated, myself undone, my enemies triumphant. Lost, lost, all is destroyed, all. Joy, joy, exclaimed Mrs. Mowbray. My child is saved, and mine destroyed, groaned Barbara. I have sworn by the cross to slay the bride, and Sybil is that bride. End of chapter 11, book 3.